Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sells Podcast, the podcast where a toxic comedian talks to a, re- a relationship therapist about all things uh, gender, sex, and dating related in the modern world. This podcast is brought to you by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Uh, they have a huge range of CBD oil products. If you haven't tried CBD oil, it is a lifesaver. If you struggle with anxiety or poor sleep or you just want to calm down, CBD oil is the product for you. I really like their diamond oil, their platinum oil as well. They've got uh, oil products for pets. They've got gummies. They've got all sorts of things. So go to crushorganics.com. That's crush with a K. Use the code Neil for 40% off. How much better would the world be? everyone just had a few drops of cbd oil you know probably a lot be better, no war eh? <laughs> and be no violence it would just be a utopian paradise so to start that paradise <laughs> go to crushorganics.com crush with a k use the code neil you get 40 percent off uh i've also updated the subscription model uh, for this podcast and the neil and jordan podcast so if you want to ask a question for eliza and i uh, that will be $15 a month. And once the question's answered, there's no obligation to stay subscribed, but all the money from subscriptions goes straight to charity. So it's a good incentive to stay subscribed there. We also now have shout-outs available for $5 a month. So if you want us to do a shout-out for either your uh, your brand, a friend, a family member, a company, just you, <laughs> if you want us to shout-out you, we can do that for $5 a month. Uh, so just go to neilcolhatka.com slash podcasts. Like I said, all the money goes straight to charity. If you live in Sydney, my show is back. So uh, come along to that every Thursday at the Potts Point Hotel. Hell, even if you live in Gosford like Eliza, it's not that long a drive. <laughs> so come along every Thursday. What better way to uh, uh, you know laugh after lockdown? Uh, go to neildan.com. It's now called Neil Dan and Friends, actually. And those were... The announcements at the top. Oh, one last shout out, actually. Uh, there's a listener uh, uh, who has just made a feature film. He's based in uh, Newcastle and it's called Cooked. It's a hilarious coming of age comedy. He's only 22. He's made an entire feature film. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I gave really? him a really That's strong incredible. shout out on the last Neil and Jordan podcast. But in case you missed that, I'll put the uh, links uh, to the website and to the socials in the description here. Alrighty, how professional oh, is that? Look at that podcast opening now. All the announcements. I had nothing to contribute to that, but I enjoyed it. Um, and congrats to that last guy as well. That's that's amazing. Yeah, 22. it's a feature film at 22. Yeah. That's insane. I did a short film and that was enough work yeah. for me. So uh, big shout out to... Uh, yeah, I've just sorry, I've just actually forgotten his wow. name. Wow. Feature films, go and find short it films. Really quickly. That's amazing. Eliza, how are you? <laughs> Oh, good. Same old, you know. I've only been out of lockdown for like not even a week. So I was just saying before that um, I went to Sydney yesterday for the first time in three months. That was weird. Um, but I missed the food so much there. And I was really annoyed because we went and saw my friends and we didn't get to eat vegan food, <laughs> which I was been waiting for Why for not? so long. So what I'll happened? be back down next week. Because uh, she lives in... um. She lives in Gladesville and there wasn't much there. And then I didn't want to be that one person from the group that says, can we order here? Because I haven't had like good vegan food in months and all we've been eating is pizza and we had pizza again. Um, but it was good. I'm not going to complain. Super stoked to be complain. out. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to okay. continue <laughs> complaining. I feel better. Now I've got off my chest, I feel better. <laughs> but yeah, how are you? Was how was so your good. show? I was so stressed before because it had been four or five months and I, we had no idea how rusty we'd be, but just like a bike, we killed it, mm. okay? Not to talk ourselves up oh, too much. I want to go. It. We dominated. That's good. What, um, what time it's, does it start? Uh, it starts at 7.30, doors are at 7 p.m., but it goes up till 9.30 or 10. So you know what? Even if uh, you get there at 8, you'll still get a really good show. And there often is tickets available cool. at the door. I'm not sure now with all the restrictions and things like that, but you should be pretty set. Uh, and that goes for anyone who lives in Sydney who's listening. Uh, you will most likely be able to get tickets at the door, but the safest option is to purchase online. And Cameron, that was the guy who made the feature film. So shout out to Cameron. If you're listening, go check out Cooked. Uh, it's coming out soon, and I'll link all the socials. Okay. Good. I'm going to go to one of your shows. I know I've been saying this for a year. I am going to go, and I'm going to go to one in the first week of November. So now that now I've said it, it. Now you I have will to do go. It. I'll wave at you from the back. What happens if you don't come? <laughs> what... Uh... Yeah, let's put a bet on it. Not not money because that's boring. Um, okay. We'll think of something. Comment that suggestions. Sleazy yeah, yeah, we'll Non-sleazy yeah, comment comment suggestions, suggestions. Please, professional comment suggestions. And you know what? Like I always follow through in a bet as well. I love, yeah, okay. let's do it. Okay. How about you got to then like make a really, like a vegan buffet for me. Yeah. Just for you. <laughs> I don't know how you'd get it. You'd, you'd missed out on coming to the show, but you're going to... I'd have to drive yeah, down have to deliver and to deliver it to you. <laughs> Leave it at your door so you don't even have to make small talk with me or yeah. anything and just, just go. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, if no better suggestions come through, okay. we'll go with that one. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> Do I get anything for going or just, just entertainment? Just uh, quality laughs and entertainment. <laughs> okay. A company okay, of fine. wonderful people with uh, brilliant senses of humor. Okay. Done, done and dusted. Beautiful. I will be there. What is the first Thursday of um, November? Let me look this up. Make it sure will it, be like it the fifth is. or something like that. Fourth or fifth? Fourth. The fourth. Okay, close enough. Close All enough. right. I will be there. Wow. We're nearly 10 months through the year. What a wild year. Yeah. It's pretty shitty, but for yes, a lot of people. That's but true. yeah, almost almost coming out of it now. Now international travels open back up as yeah, well. So quickly. Apparently. Just uh, lost our uh, Gladys. Apologies for anyone not from New South Wales, yeah. by the way. But look, you gotta deal with that. It's the premier <laughs> state of Australia. So, you know, we're not gonna talk about Tasmanian politics here. Um, I don't even know. Who's the premier <laughs> of Tasmania? I don't even know. Google that. I don't know. There are a lot of things I don't know. But you know what I do know is that young people do know what Froyo is. Hey, do they? (laughs) I was surprised. Yeah, you you, you showed me a few screenshots of the comments there. Uh, In case you missed it in in our last podcast, Eliza made a chuggy reference to Froyo, which is frozen yogurt, which was a big (laughs) thing for millennials uh, about eight years ago now. It's, it's just wild how things that are eight, seven, nine years old when we were late teens or early 20s are now out of fashion and <clears throat> they're, you know, throwback concepts. It just feels weird. 
I know. And do you know what was funny was one one of the messages I got was about how, yeah, we know what Froyo is, but we, we do um we drink bubble tea. That's like the new Froyo. But yeah, we used to drink bubble tea bubble too. Tea. <laughs> back I grew in the up day. In Hurstville. I feel like that Hurstville never went was out. All bubble tea. <laughs> It's all yeah. full of it, yeah. Okay, so, so for our la- the person anyway. who sent in that question about uh, uh, talking to the 18-year-old that he had a crush on, he's 18 as well, so nothing too creepy going on there, uh, ask her to get some bubble tea, not Froyo. Yeah. Because it's not 2013, yeah. swag YOLO. <laughs> okay. Ask her if she likes little pearls yeah, in her milk. Bubble tea's gross. And they got all those weird balls at the end of the drink. Like, what is... I no, love that. It feels. It just feels. It's jarring when it like goes through your, black balls? when it goes through the straw, and you're like, oh, "What was that?" Down your throat? No, I don't oh. like little or big black balls down my throat. So, not that I've tried big black balls well, you're down out. my throat yet. <laughs> just you've just tried just little, the little ones. ones. You know, <laughs> my my mouth is isn't um, ready for the big ones yet. But uh, it's too much You'll for me. Get. It's too intense. So, not a fan of bubble tea, and not a fan of. Uh, Black balls. That's racist. Well, I'm not a fan of white balls either, so. <laughs> All right, fair enough. No one put your I balls in everyone's Neil's mouth. balls like equally. It. So there's no racism there. <laughs> I don't know. Going? <laughs> and somehow we're going to have to transition into our very serious topic today. You're speaking yeah, of white balls. Yeah, so we're going to have to... Ease into In this the hands one. of someone uh, else. We are going to uh, describe and discuss this situation as we know it and as we understand it between Johnny Depp and, and Amber Heard. Uh, so this is a very, it's a highly publicised civil dispute occurring between the two uh, multi-millionaire celebrities. Now, the basic gist of it, uh, as far as I'm aware, I'll, I'll just do a very brief description then, Eliza. You can go into a bit more detail based on what you know. Uh, so it came out about four or five years ago that uh, Johnny Depp had been abusive to Amber Heard. And there was a lot of uh, publicity surrounding that. And he lost his job as uh, Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh, a few other things occurred, a lot of negative publicity. It was really at the height of the Me Too, Time's Up movement. As the case has progressed, though, as things have gone on, uh, the, the, the full picture seems to have come out. And in many ways, Amber Heard seemed to be more of the aggressor. There was a, fo- a recorded phone call of her uh, quite viciously verbally abusing Johnny Depp accusing him of essentially being a little bitch because she wasn't punching him. She was just hitting him. Uh, she sounded quite intense, uh, quite domineering, quite scary, actually, on the phone. She also mm. uh, had promised to send a lot of the civil case money to a hospital in Los Angeles, and she had even received a place on their uh, donors list but as far as I'm aware, the hospital never actually received the money. And there were a few other instances like that where she was uh, performing very lucrative speeches about being a survivor of domestic abuse, sometimes 30 grand per speech. And now, uh, 
when we've seen the whole picture, we've seen the whole truth, or at least we've seen Johnny Depp's side of the story. A lot of his colleagues and other people who have had experiences with Amber Heard have come out and uh, been critical of her behaviour. A lot of Hollywood actors have come out in support of Johnny Depp as well. Mm. Uh, I don't think Johnny Depp has uh, uh, been granted his role as Jack Sparrow back, but uh, a few of his endorsements have returned. I know he was uh, uh, a spokesperson, spokesperson... a uh, celebrity representing a, I think it was Sauvage, or one of those fragrance brands. And oh, I saw yeah. an ad with him. And a lot of the comments were quite uh, gracious towards the brand, saying thank you for actually taking him back on board. Oh. Uh, and then recently I saw that Amber Heard was part of the L'Oreal catwalk. And ju- this is just judging the comment response here. There was a huge amount of dislikes on this video, yeah, and really? a lot of people oh. criticizing L'Oreal mm. for uh, using her as one of the ambassadors. But that's the basic gist. Uh, Eliza, do you want to go into any more depth regarding it? I know there's also a current. There's a the, uh, Johnny Depp is suing one of the publications that publicized her op-ed uh, for defamation slander. I'm not sure what it is. It's a British case because it was a British paper. He recently lost one of them, I think. Yeah, it was the one that called him a wife beater. And they were like, well, actually, until it's proven otherwise, you can't appeal this case. So everything is still before the court and isn't going to be finalized till Mm. April next year. So still ongoing. um, Nothing has been. Mm. Yeah, pretty, um, pretty intense battle. I know that um, they met. In 2019, filming, they started dating three years later in 2012. 2009. And then, you said 2019. Um, oh, 2009. Sorry. Yeah. In 2012, then they started dating. And then three years after that, they were married. And then not even a year into their marriage, um, she started filing for a divorce, got an AVO and started accusing him of um, physical Assault, which I thought was interesting considering, you know, that's so many years after they had met, so many years after they started dating. And then as soon as they're married, she starts putting that forward um, and filing for those things. And Johnny Depp hadn't spoken too much about it, but was saying he was, um, she was attempting to secure, like, get the financial um, findings from their divorce prior to the actual divorce settlement. So if you claim that there's been abuse and things like that, you get the money faster rather than waiting five years, you get it that year or mm. something like that. Um, so after all that came out, she actually withdrew it and said, no, you know, there's no physical harm um, or intent of emotional physical harm. They released like a joint statement. It all seemed fine. And then they made a settlement in the year afterwards or the same year that she filed for divorce saying that she would get $7 million. Mm. Um, People, yeah, people started saying, so he was right. It was just for the money. And in 2017, she, the divorce was finalized and she started saying all the money is going to one, this hospital and the other half is going to like a women leaving domestic abuse relationships foundation or something. And then there was a lot about whether or not um, those were paid. And I think that's also still before the courts on oh, okay. whether they can demand for her to, um, prove. I, I'm not sure though. I was trying to find information about it, but it was a bit like, I kept going down weird, um, misinformation. She was then dating Elon Musk. And I heard that he had said he'll pay that cost for her. Paid it. So yeah. she might be putting it on yeah, him. Yeah. So then. she just kept and the money. 
it seems quite messy. Uh, either way, you would think if you've uh, if you've promised <coughs> to um, uh, donate that sort of a money to an organisation like that, that's a, that should yeah. be a priority, right? You should definitely pay something like that yeah. and, and take all measures to ensure that gets paid. So I can understand the furor towards her. Uh, it's exactly cruel. and then. So a year after they were divorced in 2017, then in 2018, she had wrote this thing for Washington Post basically saying she was a, uh, a victim of domestic violence and all this stuff, and she's a spokesperson for it, but she got sh- like you know shut down by society so many times for speaking up. And then the following year, Johnny Depp was like tried to sue her for $50 million for defamation. Um, and you know, she was making all these accusations that he threw at a ping pong table. He threw a phone at her face. Um, she was saying things like I had, um, you know, cuts, bloods, bruises, a broken nose, lip bleeding. My body was covered. I couldn't even like leave my house. And then apparently she was pictured two days after that day of the alleged incident. And Mm. there were no, She, she was like at the beach. And there was not a single mark on her body. Um, so there's, that's, those are the kind of things that people actually started thinking, hang on, what's going on here? Because even though he was suing her, there was, he wasn't putting that much forward about his side of things. Um, and then it started coming out where yet yeah, the, the videos were released and, and phone recordings of her saying, admitting to hitting him. And all of his staff were saying um, that she was extremely like vindictive, manipulative, abusive. And I read one thing about um, how they were in, I think they were in a hotel or something like that a, or an apartment. And there's a point where they were in Australia was that? and uh, an occurrence yeah. was alleged to have occurred. Oh, sorry. An event was alleged to have occurred yet. The uh, policewoman involved said she saw no evidence of uh, abuse. Yes. Yeah, so this is the same one, I think. And before that, um, the police got there, she started screaming, stop hitting me, stop hitting me, Um, get your hands off me. The security is obviously run inside and she's still screaming it, but yet he's on the other side, 20 feet away. Uh, But she was just yelling it. So it was sounding like it. The police came and they were like, we can't, like this is, um, you know, unsubstantiated. I can't see anything. And also knowing, you know, Australian police, we do, or we, I don't work for the police, but for clients, they do put AVOs out against, you know, if they witness DV or there's clear signs of it, they will put an AVO out even if the victim says not to. So the fact that, and also the fact that this is a female police officer saying, no, there was no signs of this, I think is pretty telling no one would be that open to say there were no signs they'd be like well you know it's being looked into or i can't comment but just to come out and say i saw nothing that indicates that i think was quite um important so yeah now everything's still going ahead she still got to film the second aquaman movie despite all of that whereas he got taken off like you said pirates of the caribbean and he also got taken off um Fantastic mm. Beasts and Where to Find Them, which was another major film. So he lost all his work, even though he was being proven to be right and she was currently being proven to be wrong. And she was getting more work and more money and her career was booming. So it's pretty sad. It's very sad, but there are a lot of implications of a high-profile case like this. So basically, first of all, yeah, I feel really bad for Johnny uh, from all mm. the information that has come out thus far. 
Uh, I know he's still a mega celebrity. He's still a multimillionaire. I know he has problems mm. as well with uh, alcoholism yeah. and uh, impulsive behavior. But as far as I'm aware, there's never been any previous accounts of abuse. Uh, his ex-partners mm. have come out. His daughter has come out and said he's a wonderful man. His staff have come out and all sort of uh, back that up. So it doesn't look like there's any yeah. sort of pattern that's occurring here. Uh, e- I wonder what sort of a financial position he's in now because he Mm. was always very, very, very rich. I know he also had uh, strange spending habits. I know he has one of the uh, most lucrative guitar collections in the world or something like that. He's he's an interesting character, as (laughs) most of the uh, people in Hollywood and uh, uh, in the celebrity world are. Having said that, he this really has ruined his career. I mean, he was really at the peak of, mm. of it. And now I hope uh, justice is served and he can, well, assuming that this is the full extent of the information, then he can uh, retain his spot as uh, Jack Sparrow if they're planning to make more Pirates of the Caribbean movies and Fantastic Beats. I've, I've never seen that franchise. I don't care as much about that one, but I do really love Pirates of the Caribbean. And... Yeah. As you say, it's it's bizarre that Amber Heard can still uh, earn all these major film roles. It's also really discounting for women of violence that want, have been coming forward and making such movements and standing against it to then have someone be the advocate for it and do, like you said, she's a spokesperson that gets paid 30 grand to talk about being a victim and then to be found actually everything was fabricated to have your own or most likely fabricated to have your own personal gaining success is so um, devastating for women that actually are victims and then are constantly getting pushed back down saying, where's your proof? Um, so, th- and I think one of the other things that's really crazy, like you said that Johnny's um, ex partners have all come forward saying, you know, I dated him for 12 years and there was never an abuse, blah, blah, blah. Her ex-partner um, was a woman right. who they had been, there was a file against her being um, violent towards her partner in, in the past as well. So mm. as in Amber was violent towards her previous um, partner. So and she redacted it. I don't I know how that is. the ex-partner actually she did. took it back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? If you were dating someone famous and then you start to see the aftermath of making a claim or, or experiencing that, you can understand why someone would say, no, 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 it was, a, it was a mistake just to let, you know, get everyone off their back and stop being interviewed about it, questioned sure. the hate you would come. So I do understand why she would say that. And she basically said it was just, you know, the police, it was one of those scenarios where the police had gone in and they had issued an AVO against... um you know, their will, which is what happens when they witness domestic abuse. And they were like, oh, this was a lesbian hate crime. Um, So that's how they explained. Wait. As in how Amber and her partner explained. It wasn't, they didn't come in. There was some sort um, of external person abused both of them. Is that what they were claiming? No, no. They were saying the police just claimed it to be domestic abuse because they were homophobic, essentially, is what they were saying. Yeah I, yeah, I haven't really looked into that, but I did, I did know that, uh, her, yes, her female ex-partner had initially claimed she had been abused by Amber Heard and then redacted it. So don't know uh, what occurred there, but as you say, it could be that there's just so much publicity that would 
come about if you made those claims, which would invariably become public because of the uh, fame of someone like Amber Heard. So in many ways, you can empathize mm -hmm. with people who would rather just not have that attention and that scrutiny on a highly public case. Now, when it's two mega celebrities like Johnny Depp or Amber Heard, it actually makes more sense to pursue it fully. Um, so I guess, first of all, that can be a good introduction into uh, a discussion of what could be the implications of something like this, because it shows that there are women who do lie and use these sorts of accusations to gain advantage in their career and to destroy a man's reputation. And though that idea is sometimes, not always, but it's sometimes cast aside and we're told women never lie, always believe the woman. Uh, this, in a weird way, it's terrible for Johnny, but almost in a weird way, for some men, they would think, well, at least this kind of shows that there are these psychopathic women that will do this sort of thing for personal gain. And as, as you say, very fairly, that doesn't mean that that's always the case. It doesn't even mean that it's the majority of cases, but it shows that it does exist. And especially when it first came out in the height of the uh, Me Too movement, Donald Trump had just been elected and there was that uh, prominent uh, saying of believe all women. And do we have to adjust that now to... Uh, take all accusations as credible because to me that just seems like the the fairest uh assumption to make when any of these sorts of cases come about take all accusations and all defenses as credible and then judge all the evidence rather than just always believe the woman or always believe the victim what do you think about all of that I think that, look, it's hard to speak to um, a couple of things. Firstly, I know that in, in our previous um, podcast, particularly about sexual assault, I say that, you know, it's 2% of women have, you know, that is the likely statistic for false allegations. However, physical abuse is a different type of abuse. And I can and have definitely witnessed through my work that is much more common for false allegations of physical abuse or child abuse um, and other kinds of abuse that women have um, made against men or, or even men have made against men. I looked at, I was trying to find stats about it and it said that um, a study done in America said that 8% of people had um, come forward saying that they had been falsely accused. Wow. So 8% is a lot. Um, however, of those that were falsely accusing them, 60% were women and 40% were men. Mm. So there was a little bit lean towards women, but it's not just all women that were false accusers. Just, um, just butting there really uh, quickly. When yeah. these people came out and said, I've been falsely accused, does that mean it had been proven that someone had falsely accused them or is it just their personal testimony? No. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. And that's what my next point was going to be, especially working in the child protection industry of men claiming I never physically abused um, my mm. child, despite very, very obvious evidence. And also as, you know, employees witnessing that for myself and them still not considering that as abuse. So you have to take, and that's where I think that Amber, her perspective is. In my opinion, I think that she, like, for example, her saying, 
Johnny pushed me into a ping pong table. I think that there's a good likelihood that happened, but it was probably because she was running at him with a knife or something and he's throwing her off him and she's you know, hit, hit on, landed on a ping pong table or something, or she's trying to punch him and he's pushed her away. And all she observes is I've been pushed, I've been punched, and that's what I'm going to report on this. Um, so we see that in people that have, you know, really true narcissistic tendencies is that they will they will reframe or rewrite a narrative in a way that is going to serve them, serve their ego, and make them feel justified. So she she may actually genuinely forget or choose to ignore the fact that, yeah, maybe I ran at him with a knife, but like obviously I wasn't doing anything, but he full force threw me, and he's so much stronger, and he threw me into a ping pong, so therefore he's at fault. Um, and that's how people, I think, that fall into that stat of it being more likely to, you know, accuse um, for physical violence. I think that that is their genuine perspective. Right, right. Unfortunately. And, and, and in these so- yeah. sort of situations, I can only imagine it's such a traumatic experience. And even for if, if it's one of these situations where both are playing some role in the violence, it would be traumatic for both. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing yeah. that you can't do is have a sort of – the capability to use your rational faculties to objectively describe the situation. Emotions are so high and Mm. I'm sure there'd be yelling and you'd be being as irrational as you possibly can. And you're in a, your inner child has well and truly come out. Your ego has come out. So when you're then asked to describe the situation uh, as objectively and accurately as possible, as you say, there would be some people who would tend to be extremely narcissistic in those situations, but I, I wonder how truthful anyone can really be in those situations unless there's a camera there. Uh, it's so... Yeah. And that's not to say we should just uh, not use personal testimony as factual evidence, but it's, yeah. it's just thinking about the context of a situation like that you have to have a healthy degree exactly. of scepticism of any account. Uh, and it's so difficult because in almost all of these situations, it can be a he said, she said, or a she said, she said, he said, he said, whatever it is. And if there's no other evidence, if there's no pattern uh, from ex-partners as to how that person has behaved previously, if there aren't third parties like children involved who witnessed it, how do you convict someone? Because... By saying mm-hmm. one person is, is – and if there's, say, no v- very direct uh, evidence, scarring, bruising, etc., it, it's almost impossible for a court with the sort of standard of proof that we have in the West to actually make a conviction, which is really sad, and I'm not sure what to do about something like that uh, because in many cases, mm-hmm. injustices do occur then, and it's a horrible situation – what do you think about something like that? I think that it's hard because I agree, like without actual evidence, you're not going to get anywhere. But even then, it's actually really difficult to get um, a, a conviction, even when you have evidence. And like you said, everyone, it's very subjective, the experience of violence that people had. And I think I talked about this, you know, in a recent podcast where I said that, um, about on a TV show where a young guy, you know, a girl was sleeping and they're out at a bar and he went up and, you know, gave her a little pat on the cheek and she interpreted that I was being slapped by him. 
And then the whole group of people were completely debating whether or not he had, you know, physically assaulted her or whether or not it was a playful tap, which is what he was saying. He's like, she's my mate. I was trying to wake her up saying, come on up, you get whatever. Um, but, and then for her, the context was that she had, you know, he was drunk, he was an alcoholic and her ex-boyfriend was an alcoholic and he had abused her previously as well. Um, so to her, in, she truly genuinely believes that is physical abuse. Um, and I know that when earlier, um, at the beginning of the year, I had been, physically assaulted at work by someone and I was like lucky I guess that it was um there was so many witnesses and it was on camera as well and I was straight away pulled into questioning um because actually at (laughs) it was outside a police station um interestingly and I was but they didn't say it and I was pulled straight into um the police station to be interviewed and the questions they were asking me I just couldn't think I honestly they were like, how long were you grabbed for? How how far were you thrown? Which side did you land on? Um, what happened when, you know, they did this? I, I was, they were like, what were you doing with your hands? And I was like holding drinks. That's why I couldn't protect myself. I was holding glass. And they were like, what did you do with the glasses? Like, did you put them down? And I was like, I can't remember. Like, I honestly ca- cannot remember for the life of me. And I actually downplayed it a little bit unintentionally I think that's just my frame of reference or I was just like look this person um I know them they from through work they struggle with you know alcohol addiction and they're they're not of sound of mind um and um I was like it was you know it only happened for a few moments um it was shit whatever and then later on that night, I didn't realize really how significant my injuries were. And I ended up with all that, you know, the back, the back injury and a fractured rib and all this stuff that I didn't know. And then only in the video seeing how like violent it really was. Um, but that person wasn't even convicted. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's really hard. And I just left it because, you know, of it was significant mental illness and um, that person's being supported. So I'm, I'm happy with that. But the fact that that can't even get a conviction Mm. to have someone like this case go through now five years of court with three different court cases is so significant. There must be so much evidence there um, of things that we as a public are not aware of because otherwise it would not be going through this much. Yeah, the very uh, few physical altercations I've had with other men, I don't remember anything. It's a blur. Because, you know, you're sitting there trying (laughs) to protect your head and punch at the same time. The last thing Mm. I could do is accurately describe the details of the altercation. Yeah. Uh, So I can understand the frustration of victims, but I can also understand the frustration of lawyers and people who want to achieve justice but just can't as insofar as we uh, understand justice because... It just can't pass the burden of proof. Uh, it almost mm-hmm. seems like there's a limit to what the legal system can even do with these sorts of situations. And and this is what a lot of prominent people um, in the Me Too movement and things would say, is that a cultural shift needs to occur. And I, I, mm. I wonder uh, how we can look at violence differently while still humanizing everyone involved in any situation only insofar as we can understand how someone got to that point uh but still figuring out a way to make it 
so ingrained within every individual that violence is just never the answer and we should strive to be as non-violent except in the absolute most extreme situations of self-defense but we also are human and violence and aggression is a part of our animal nature Mm. not that that's an excuse Mm. at all but I, i i don't think we can ever get to a point in society where there'll never be any violence uh, where there'll never be male-on-male altercations outside a, a bar or even intimate partner violence, as sad as as that is. But whatever preventative measures we can enact to limit that is, ne- is, is significant and necessary and, and paramount. Because, again, this the legal system, there's just so much... Uh, there's a backlog now, you know, and then coming into the family mm, court system yeah. in, in, a, in Australia, there's just yeah, a huge, huge backlog. Yeah. And a couple of months ago, yeah. I remember a couple of senators being quite emotional in their appeal to the Senate to try and improve this situation. And you hear about suicides that occur uh, when cases are just so tied up in the family court system and people hit absolute rock bottom. Um, not to say that yeah. if they have done something violent, you know, it, it's just such a it's such a complicated situation. And hell, if I had minor injuries from some sort of physical altercation, but I knew that the court process would take up to five years, I'd almost be inclined to say, "Well, I'd, I couldn't be bothered." What's the point? If, if they were minor injuries, <laughs> yeah, which is exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah, and that's sad yeah. because we do need to prosecute prosecute violence, and we do need to punish people for that yeah. sort of behaviour, or at least rehabilitate them somehow. And hmm. I don't envy the sort of the the people who are trying to solve this problem. I mean, Stephen Pinker is always talking about how rates of violence have just over uh, throughout the world if you look at the whole world now compared to a hundred years ago and then compared to what we can assume occurred a thousand years ago rates of violence have dramatically decreased there's far less conflict there's far less Mm. war far fewer people are dying young uh so Mm. in the grand scheme of things humanity is moving in the right direction however it's still a very uh significant issue that many people have to deal with. And this case has highlighted, well, one, that there are people that will weaponize society's uh, significance and compassion towards victims of intimate partner violence for their own personal gain. And they should be Mm -hmm. punished for that, whether that's uh, through the legal system or through public opinion. They need to receive some form of um, criticism for what they're doing there. Mm. Uh, and also that there are, uh, there are two sides to every story. And yeah. as soon as we heard Johnny Depp's side, the whole narrative changed. And again, this is something I said in a, yeah. pod, a podcast a few weeks ago, I think, where oftentimes men are uh, reticent to share their stories if they are a victim of intimate partner violence, especially if it is from a female partner, because, well, their masculinity is at stake and they question their manhood and they think it's their responsibility Mm. to be in control of that. But if there is a cultural shift that I think both sides on the culture or anyone would agree with, it's that men should tell their side of the story. Yes, 
Yeah. And what's interesting though, and, and also a really challenging spot is that, you know, we know that men are more likely to, um, you know, demonstrate their anger and frustration through some yep. physical means. And that that is clearly in the stats about men being physically violent um, and physical abuse, things like that. However, when you take into, you know, the different types of abuse, there's also emotional abuse, mm. which is just as harmful, if not considered to be more harmful. Yeah, that's obviously a really difficult thing to prove, but I wonder how how would the gender um, variation be for that one? Because women are less likely to use violence as a mean of expressing frustration, but are more likely to do something vindictive or controlling um, or manipulative. Um, and there's that really famous case, which I can't remember the name of it, but it was that um, young boy and girl who were like 18 and he was you know, feeling super suicidal and is he was planning suicide with his online girlfriend. And then she, he said, I'm going to kill myself tonight. I'm going to, you know, gas myself in the car. And, um, he was texting her during the process of doing it. And then at one point he was like, I, I don't want to do this actually. Like I want to live. And she sent a text saying, get back in the car and do it. And he died. Um, and so then this was one of the first, this what, happened like maybe like between five and, and 10 years ago. What do you think was going through her mind? Because if she is a girlfriend, I assume she has feelings for this person. Why, what's in it for I, her to have this guy? Is it just a sense of control? Is it a sense of then she can then be the victim or oh, my, my boyfriend killed himself? Yeah. Please give sympathy yes. for, to me. Yeah. Is is that it? Because this is yeah. really dark. I that's think it's dark. That. That's really dark. I know there are a lot yeah. of adolescents and teenagers in particular who have thoughts of suicide to make other people feel guilty for what they perceive has been a lack of mm. either attention or understanding. So they'll say, oh, I just, you know, I, I wish I could see the guilt on my parents' face if they saw me lifeless because they feel like their parents haven't understood something about them or... Uh, haven't yeah. afforded them some freedoms exactly so it, it might be something like like that but just to hear that someone would do that and at, at a relatively young age is just it's just morbidly dark it's uh scary. yeah exactly so then it was this whole new concept of does she get charged with murder or like because she i think she she did get charged with murder or something like that she got charged with something significant and she's in jail for 20 years um okay. which is good but before then it would have been like well no he did it so therefore you know she was you know she was three hours away so why would she get charged um but it's that really coercive control which is super dangerous um and there's more and more cases of of men coming out with stories about that being like i was told you know if i left or if i went to get to the shops then she would um you know f f go and cheat on me or she would kill herself or things like and men do that too yeah. of course it goes both ways but i think that in that case for actual um emotional abuse it's pretty split for the genders um and abuse as a whole people just think men are the abusers um, but I think it really comes down to specific types of abuse need to be looked into as well when when analysing and thinking about that critically because women are, are going to teach someone a lesson a different way, but teach someone a lesson, that's me. 
like not genuinely thinking that in a way that's different than men would think that they're going to teach someone a lesson. Um, so pretty, pretty sad. And no one can get charged being like, oh, she was manipulating me for two years. I want to put a charge against her. No one's going to take that seriously if you try to take that to court, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it also begs the question of, so well, first of all, so much of particularly emotional abuse can be, can be reactive. So someone is yeah. uh, treating you in a way that you feel is unfair and then as a result, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you then uh, do the, the victim, uh, you know, espouse narcissistic victim tendencies. And again, I know all of this is very subjective and what can be one person's narcissism and one person's controlling behavior can be another person's boundaries and all of those sorts of things. Uh, mm. but then you'd also have to have an analysis of, well, what is actually, at what point does it maybe even become not self-defense, but you can almost understand why a person acted that way because they were being treated even, uh, un- unfairly to mm. an even greater degree. So if, if the mm. situation is, it's hard to quantify something like this, but if it's 60, 40, one person's abusing someone, 60% you know of the abuse that's occurring it's 60% occurring from one party and 40% from the other party i mean more often than not very uh toxic relationships have that sort of a dynamic where it's not that mm. i'm victim blaming here but both parties uh, are reactive in an emotionally or physically abusive way and how do you actually then determine who's at fault? Do you start with the person who made the first uh, uh, abusive gesture or do you go with who has uh, enacted the the most intense uh, form of abuse? I mean, there's just so much subjectivity and gray area to a, situ- to a situation like this. Yeah. It's um, hmm. virtually impossible to ascertain a, a true... Uh, picture of who's at fault because then he, it's a good and, point and different yeah, cultures exactly. will think differently about uh, yeah. the dynamic of a relationship and and different people will think differently it's it's so subjective it's a minefield yeah like when you think about someone that has like let's say a man's been abu- emotionally abused in his relationship for three years and then one day he cracks it and you know smacks his partner across the face He's going to get be the one charged with abuse because that abuse is deemed worse. I think that the courts will will um, you know determine the levels of abuse on what has the greatest risk on your well being and life, and they would perceive you know a, a head hit or wound to be a greater threat rather than emotional abuse, which you know studies might show otherwise. Um, so. It is um, really interesting. And I think it's very much more interesting about how, you know, with COVID as well, bringing on so many online relationships, um, international, all Mm. these interesting things that are coming out. So whether or not we'll see more cases like that other one um, I was talking about before, who knows? It's actually a really good book I read on it on recently and it's, um, it's fictional, but it's called Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. And it's written as just... um, like text or email logs between two women in a lesbian BDSM relationship. Okay. And one gets a little bit power hungry 
and then um, continuously is telling the other women to do the most most fucked up, increasingly horrific things. And for her, she's like, well, I'm just having fun. I can make this person do whatever um, I say. And for the other girl who's younger and, and is, you know, the victim of this, was so in love and thinking this is how, you know, I can please her so I'll do all these things. It's really good. And it's a very small book, easy to read. I read it in four hours. Um, what's, it, what's it called so again? So really disturbing. Things have gotten worse since okay. we last spoke. Mm. But it's a bit twisted, so okay. take my warning. Trigger warning, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, serious trigger warning. <laughs> I was going to say something I forgot now. I, I, I mean, coming back to I think something I've mentioned on previous podcasts again is that if the legal system has a backlog with these sorts of cases, well, mm. there seems to be... Well, one option is, okay, we have more resources. So we have more courts that, are, that deal with specifically these cases. But then you'd need more lawyers, more judges. And then what happens is the quality of lawyers and judges would degrade. So there's no, yeah. there's just no easy solution to this. Or do you change the whole, because what, just really that, quickly. So I know uh, um, when Obama, yeah. uh, the Obama administration changed some of the laws uh, for colleges in America, it was a thing called Title IX where they threatened to remove federal funding for certain colleges unless they took a strong stance against um, uh, campus sexual assault. And look, don't take my word for this. I'm sure there'd be someone who studied this that uh, has a better uh, idea of exactly what happened. But I think a lot of colleges changed the legal standard from uh, beyond a reasonable doubt to the preponderance of the evidence. So rather than uh, proving beyond a reasonable doubt that something occurred. If 50% of the evidence or more showed that the uh, abuse, and this again, this is going more towards sexual assault, which I know is quite different to what we're talking about here, uh, but I'm just talking br br broadly about legal ramifications uh, if changes do occur. Uh, so if more than 50% of the evidence points to a, a perpetrator being uh, an accused perpetrator being guilty then they are found guilty and i was listening to a podcast recently by um andrew sullivan who had someone on there who actually was a spokesperson against some of those new laws and was saying that again there were just a lot of there were people who were using these new laws which had the best intent which is to reduce sexual assault on college campuses but they were using it uh, to, to weaponize assault allegations against people that they maybe were mad at or and it's not as in some situations it wasn't that the other person was completely free of ethical wrongdoing they may have cheated uh, or they may have you know rejected or ghosted someone or done something like that and then their um, an accusation is brought forward to them and because it was that new legal standard they then lost their spot in certain prestigious colleges and I know there's this stereotype where there's the, the rich white boys who go to these colleges and think they can get away with anything. And I'm sure that stereotype doesn't fall out of the sky. Like with many stereotypes, I'm sure there are still young men who are like that. And that's terrible. But it just is interesting how with every legal and cultural action, there is always an equal and opposite reaction wherein people will uh, weaponize a new direction of compassion or a newfound... Uh, cultural 
significant idea for their personal gain. And I think it just seems like it's mm. part of the human condition and there needs to be mechanisms built into any new cultural movement or legal movement to ensure as much as possible that we can we can still uh, reap the benefits of the these new ideas and these new cultural phenomena while still mitigating against uh, people using it for nefarious means. Yeah, yeah. What's um really interesting when I was doing that, it, it, this is American mm. research, by the way, before I say this, but about that study um, for those who have been falsely accused, the same study came out um, saying that though the people that make false allegations, it's actually less likely that they have an issue with the person that they're making the allegation against. And it's more right. likely that that person is incredibly just selfish and using them as, you know, put all the blame on him so I can get, you know, um, out of this situation. So often it was, they were caught cheating. So they will say, oh, it was, it was, you know, I was being sexually assaulted or sometimes for our youth, it Stop was, youth. um, you know, they were skipping for, <laughs> for our young people, for Where our you? teens, sorry. <laughs> Okay, so yes, for for our young people, um, uh, they would uh, being trying to get it, they were skipping school, and then when questioned about it, they would say, "Oh, it's because so and so raped me or, or or assaulted me, and I'm you know dealing with the emotional backlash." And then now they've said it, they have to go through with it. So they might not actually even have a person with an issue with that person. But um, so I thought that that was a crazy oh, okay. crazy yeah, stat for me to to read about because you i would have always thought that if someone is making a false allegation it's going to be because they hate that person and they want to punish them but usually it's just that person is a pawn to kind of get them some sort of emotional gain compassion or leniency on something and they just happen to be the person chosen um so that kind of i mean i don't know how worse. accurate that study is because it's, yeah, it's way well, I don't really have an issue with that person, but I'm willing yeah. to just destroy their life because I yeah. can't admit that I made a yeah. you know, mistake or that I said the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But this study only had, it had just under 3,000, sure. I think, participants in it. So, and they used that to represent all of America. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but very interesting. Um, and with our Australian courts, I think the issue isn't about the amount of courts or, or lawyers we have, it's that like at the moment I'm in um, for you know professional purposes in three mm. court cases and every single um, time we go in, it just gets adjourned. So you go in, you're all ready and they're like, uh, meet us back here in six months. What? Every time it happens three, four what times per case that they give. They don't, sometimes there is literally just no reason. Right. It'll be like, or something like, um, she wants to submit, um, an additional piece of paperwork and his lawyer will need to review that first. Or, Gosh. um, he's come forward saying, actually, I have an issue with this. And then, the, and the judge decides, well, more time needs to be determined and you need to, you know, interpret your course. Something comes up every time. I don't think I've ever actually had a court case in the six years of me working within court systems with families where they've gone prepared and it's just happened on the day that it was supposed to happen. So you just think about all the times that, and half of the families that I'm working with 
have, you know, it's because they're, they're in court waiting to see if they can get their kids back. And imagine the stress of waiting three months and knowing, especially in some families, knowing that um, actually, you know, they've done the work, they can have the children back. And then it gets adjourned saying for another six to 12 months that that child now is in this, you know, in out of home care. Um, the impact that can have on children while they adjourn these <laughs> court There's so many negative incentives um, because I know that's a tactic used sometimes by the defendant and their legal team to just draw it out as long as possible and go through every little yeah. technicality because then the accuser eventually yeah. gets fed up. And I wouldn't blame an accuser in that yeah. situation if every time they go to court, oh, here's yeah. a technicality, we've got to come back in six months. Oh, here's a technicality, we've got to know. At, what, at some point... You just think this is just this uh, this horrific shadow hanging yeah. over my life and I want to get rid of it, even if it means that, fine, I don't get justice, I just want to live my life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And the money costs too. as well. People try to delay it so that it will drain them of their resources. So then they just mm. be like, fine, you can have 90% of custody. That's and fine, then, whatever. And then the other um, side, which is just mm-hmm. speaking broadly in the about the legal uh profession is that i know this definitely happens in hell but vice president kamala harris has been accused of this where the record of prosecution for public prosecutors is so important and significant to their position as a lawyer Mm -hmm. that they'll do anything to get that prosecution even if new evidence comes forward that shows someone may be innocent now, they still want to have that perfect oh, record, yeah. so they'll say, no, no, I still, want to, co- acu- yeah. I, I still want to throw this person in jail. And that's yeah. a person who is, uh, well, it's just unethical. They're choosing their, they're a careerist over someone who's upholding justice. Yeah. And I can't see how that's a virtuous uh, thing to try and achieve. And... It's yeah, so wild. Like, I that. think that there should be, like, disclosure laws about that. So if you're, like, a therapist or you work in a hospital or you're a teacher, you're obligated by law that if someone expresses to you the intent to harm or themselves or others um, or an experience of that, you have to report mm. it. But that doesn't apply to lawyers. So you can say to your lawyer, actually, yeah, I did murder her him um and they will still go into court that day and say that my person is you know my client is innocent they have not murdered right, anyone right. that's my understanding i don't know how you know, that might not be 100 percent accurate but that's my understanding of like very obvious <laughs> cases and then lawyers i've seen that so many times where it's like obviously he has done it mm. there's so much evidence and he'll be like no because you have edited that video yeah, or something like there's a on the defense side order. of things, they will do it. They're being paid. Yeah. They have a financial incentive to do everything they possibly yeah. can so that the jury or the judge finds their client not guilty, even if that means yeah. lying and acting as unscrupulously as, as possible. It's their, uh, it, it's their job in many ways to get this person off. Mm-hmm. So there are mm-hmm. malevolent incentive structures all across the legal profession. Then again, I'm not trying to um, discriminate against every lawyer. I'm sure there's some very wonderful, I'm sure the majority are just trying to do their job. Uh, but there's mm. clearly an issue with the legal system. Yeah, that's system the thing, it's their the, job. The whole Western system, as far as I know, again, I'm not 
don't have a law degree. It's that the the analogy is always even if nine guilty people go free, as long as one innocent person never goes to jail, that's that's what the system is designed. The, the system is designed to ensure mm. that innocent people don't go to jail, even if that means guilty people go free. That's that's the significant factor right. at play. That's what they've prioritized. And compare that to other countries yeah. where, no, there's no presumption of innocence. Uh, I, I mean, it's just so, I was doing a, a video with a Russian guy a couple of weeks ago, that ethical hypothetical show I've been doing. Oh. By the way, check that out if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. And I just took it for granted that, okay, in this situation, a jury has found someone guilty and then he was like uh, i'm sorry what is jury and i just it just made me realize well hang on a minute other countries have these entirely antithetical yeah. legal systems yeah um and maybe there is a uh, space to analyze the actual legal system we have now i mm. am definitely emotionally attached to the idea of the presumption of innocence and having commensurate checks and balances to ensure that innocent people don't go to jail. But even with all those checks and balances, there are still innocent people that go to jail, especially if they're uh, mm. powerless and, and uh, less financially well-off. So it's there are flaws in, in the legal system as well. And I think in, in, in analysing mm. the culture of, of violence and, and physical assault, uh, we do have to sort of... In sometimes delve into the very uncomfortable uh, conversation of well, how much of it is part, is it part of the human condition to be aggressive and to jostle unconsciously for power, however you can. If you're less uh, uh, physically inclined, you you may jostle through emotional means and vice versa. Uh, is this part of the human condition? Are we all just trying to? unconsciously climb the status hierarchy and do whatever it takes. Uh, and I mean that even in an intimate partnership, mm. uh, because a lot of this is done, yeah. especially emotional manipulation, it's done unconsciously. The, the person enacting that behavior yes. thinks they're doing the right yeah. thing, thinks they're doing the appropriate thing, the just thing in those circumstances. And in, in, in cases of physical violence as well, they think in many ways they think it was proportionate or... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You tell me. How often do people who have actually committed, who have actually committed physical violence towards an intimate partner, acknowledge? Okay, yeah, there was no reason for me to do that, and I did the wrong thing, and I'm pleading guilty. Or is it often? Well, I did it because blah 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 blah. You know, th these are the reasons yeah, I did that. It's always she was that. doing this. He was doing this, and that's yeah. why I did that. So yeah. it's a very tough mm. uh, position to be in. Uh, to acknowledge, I acted disproportionately. Uh, uh, and then if they are claiming that they acted proportionately, do we analyze that? So there's just this whole thing is a minefield and yeah. it'd be interesting to see what some of the comments are and what people think. Um, One of the things that is really interesting actually on that is working in, when I worked in like, you know, the North Shore um, in the same field that those that we took to court and things like that and it would never ever it was always like if they ever admitted it it would be like because she did this or either I didn't do it it's she's a liar blah 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 and then we'd be like there's hospital records of broken bones handprints no didn't do it that kind of thing and then take tear that woman down through financial means um and but working in western sydney 
then surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, very often admit saying, I fucked up. I did. Yeah, I did it. I'm ashamed. Like I was, you know, off my head, off my face. Um, I made a huge mistake or I was just so angry. So I did it. They just admit it. Um, and interestingly, there's sometimes less of a consequence if you just come out and say, yeah, I fucked up. I'm sorry. It's, it it takes Um, a lot of, uh, because you don't want to, if you really do feel like, okay, let's not just talk. I, I can never, I can't say there's been any experience of physical intimate violence there, but there's definitely been fights and arguments and pretty intense ones that I've had with ex-partners and mm. uh, I've been accused of playing the victim and saying because I would mm. say things like well I did do this which I can acknowledge was wrong but I was in a position where I was insecure or I was in a position where I felt like what you did it's it's hard to articulate something like that isn't it because even just by saying this right now it mm. sounds like I'm blaming the other person for what I did, but there has to be space as well for uh, a conversation of, okay, there were certain actions that you may have taken. That doesn't absolve me of blame, but it, mm. it, it offers some contextual information as to why someone could be feeling insecure or someone may feel like they have to resort to yelling or um, petty insults because they feel like that's the only way they can defend themselves because you have just sort of uh, truncated any possibility of uh, mature conversation around the issue. You either just shut it down immediately or you just, uh, I, I feel like I'm being attacked every time I bring a certain issue up. So then eventually maybe the person feels like they have no choice but to say, well, F you then, you effing bitch, like, because I've just been shut down in every other possible avenue of... Um, reasonable discussion um i don't know if i've ever said mm. i th- i have called ex-partners bitch i don't think i've called an ex-partner eff- fucking bitch that's pretty intense um <laughs> and i regret that i shouldn't i definitely shouldn't have done that uh but it's one of those situations where you're just yelling at each other and you just say things that you don't mean again not that it's an excuse but I, I, yeah. how much of this is just a human experience um it's yeah, tough. certain. It's funny how certain things will slide, and then other things like just would be so horrific. Like what you yell out in a fight. That in the have you seen the movie A Star Is Born? Uh, I I saw With it Lady on a Gaga plane once and... when I was half. <laughs> yeah, so I've kind of seen it, but I barely uh, remember it. I was half sleeping. There's like, there's one scene that I find it really funny, and they're like in a huge fight, and they're saying the most abusive like things and then at the end he goes you're fucking ugly and that was the moment <laughs> she was like yeah, stop dead yeah, <laughs> yeah there's everyone yeah. has their personal line and it... and no one's gonna cut she there's no way you come yeah. back from that either like it's once you yeah. said it no whereas i could if someone called me no one's called me a bitch but if someone called me a bitch i it, i wouldn't care so much that i'd be like i can't come back mm. from this um but if someone had said something else maybe i'd be like no this is we're done I'm called <laughs> It's I've got a cunt, uh, asshole. Oh, that's <laughs> if there's any like really, nothing's coming to mind. That's like that really put me off guard. I'm trying to think what could actually. There's been a few times where an ex partner has sort of said certain things where it's. I'm not sure if she's consciously trying to attack my insecurities, but it definitely had that effect. Uh, certain yeah. things I'd opened up about, and then. 
you know, oh, we've, uh, yeah, we yeah. know. Yeah, you're insecure about this. Like, stuff like just shut up about yeah. it, get over it, that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, <laughs> pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, that's but, rough. I hate when people do that. Yeah, but know. I don't know if you'd call that, a, you know, at what point do you, does it become abuse? That's the, you know, we've, and, and I know we've done so many podcasts on that, but yeah, okay. I do keep coming in yeah. circles on this issue because I just don't think. Maybe there is, maybe you do, humanity has to accept that uh, there's no perfect solution to any of the, the you know, the ills of yeah. uh, uh, intimate partner conflict and emotional manipulation. And instead of trying to find yeah. the perfect solution where we can entirely eradicate it, we find the best possible solution to um, uh, uh, enact commensurate preventative measures uh, whilst also trying to get to an objective truth as much, as much as possible, but without it becoming too lopsided one way, which ultimately does mean some people may not achieve justice. And I, I wonder if there is no perfect solution and instead we have to just try and find the most perfect solution. Exactly. Mm. I think you're right. Mm. Yeah. It's very it's complicated. complicated. We'll never no. get the answers we want to. And it, no matter what, like you said, that quote is like, if you're mostly wrong, then, you know, that didn't work. And then others that say you're completely innocent until you're, you know, you're innocent until you're 100% mm. guilty. That can be wrong and sometimes. So there's just no, maybe this should just go in between and do 75%. <laughs> just well, kidding. Don't well, do that. But yeah, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think right now, just got to try and find the best possible option um any any concluding coming back to amber heard and johnny depp i know that case one of the cases is still a few cases may be still ongoing yeah. so we'll keep a keen eye on that maybe we'll do another podcast when it's concluded if it ever does conclude yeah. because in these sort of situations there can be appeals and then another appeal and taking it to the next court the next level of court yeah. and um do you have any concluding remarks on the on the topic just that if you know anyone going through court proceedings, like try to be um, really patient with them because it really is all consuming. And it's not something that you just go to court once and you just stop thinking about. You go to court and then you spend the next 12 months preparing for the next one. And for things like this that take, you know, Johnny and Amber have been doing this for five years now. That That is just so consuming for someone's life. So consider that if you know anyone and keep that in mind. Um, and don't let our discussions turn you against reporting abuse or anything like oh, that. Um, because it's really important that you do if you have experience. Yeah, everyone it. tell their story, including men, everyone. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, well said. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, share this podcast, subscribe if you haven't already, and we will see you next time. See you next week. <laughs>